I don't really understand why there needs to be so much tension about this. The country is facing the worst economy since the Great Depression. If the financial system collapses, it will take every one of you down. Shorty what you want, shorty what you need. Investors run this game, we ain't never leaving. Counting up this money, we ain't never sleeping. Looking long term, got those profits reaping. In and out of sectors, we sector streaking. Riding reversals like Biggie public speaking. Of stacking ends with our friends, cause it feels stupendous. Dropping dollars on our dreams, and it feels tremendous. Staying lean, keeping clean, going against consensus. Player haters, rhyme takers, do not offend us. We're here for the journey, we're here for the ride. Only a few are accepted, although many applied. But if it's wisdom you seek, you won't be denied. There are rewards for the bold, for those that try to keep learning while they're earning. Keep redefining our success. Keep the fire burning on the Investopedia Express. Welcome back and welcome aboard and say hello to May. But first, let's thank April for the hospitality. Despite some heavy rains and wind, April did deliver some nice little returns for the major market indexes. And whether we want to believe it or not, the trend for the broader markets continues to be up and to the right, albeit slowly. The Dow gained just under 1% last week, but grinded 2.5% higher for the month, while the S&P 500 ended the week higher and up 1.5% for the month. Even the Nasdaq, which has been under pressure lately, popped 1.3% last week on some better than expected results from the megatech complex. It finished out the week relatively where it started and ended the month also nearly unchanged. But so far this year, the Nasdaq composite has gained right around 17%, a pretty sharp reversal from the first 10 months of last year. The Nasdaq 100, which represents the largest 100 stocks by market cap inside the Nasdaq composite, is up 21% through the first five months of this year. That's a bull right there. Roll the tape all the way back to mid-October of 2022, which many people believe was the bottom for U.S. stocks, and we'll find the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 sitting atop eight-month highs right now. And despite all of the economic noise, and there's a lot of it, this rally has been relatively quiet from a volatility perspective, as we've been talking about. The VIX or volatility index ended last week at its lowest level in 17 months. It's trading at 15.78, but its historical average since 1990 is 19.67. Either traders are just not willing to speculate on the market's future direction through options, or, as Callie Cox suggested a few weeks ago, maybe they've moved on to those zero days to expiration options contracts, keeping their timeframes ultra-tight. Speculation in the bond market, which we've also talked about, has calmed down in recent weeks as the banking crisis has abated. But that might all change as the future of First Republic Bank hangs in the balance. By the time you hear this, First Republic will either be placed into receivership by the FDIC or sold to another bank for a song and a willingness to take on the bank's battered balance sheet. And we have a pretty important Fed meeting coming up this week and the March payrolls report. Yet stocks have been grinding higher, always reminding us that the stock market and the economy travel to the the beats of very different drums, which leads us right into our big three for the week. Number one, size matters in this recent rally across the major indexes. Small caps have been weak given their economic sensitivities, while the well-capitalized large caps, they've been outperforming. They have the balance sheets to weather the storms, but they also benefit from being so widely held, especially the mega-cap tech stocks. We've been talking a lot about the concentration of mega-cap tech stocks to this rally because it's real, and it belies the overall strength and breadth of the recovery in the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq. Bianco Research points out that through April 26, the S&P 500 was up 5.13%. The top FANG stocks plus Microsoft, Netflix, and Tesla, they contributed 5.57% to that rally. The other 492 stocks in the S&P 500, they contributed a negative 0.44% 
to the index. If you're an index investor like me, you have to ask yourself if you're willing to just let it ride given this weak breath. Ideally, like a good NBA team, we'd like to see more scoring balance with strong rebounding and defense. That wins championships. But sometimes you just have to ride your best players to make it through these tough stretches of the season. Number two, those mega cap tech stocks kept the rally alive last week with better than expected earnings results. Yes, there was some softness among some companies in some areas of their business like Amazon and Amazon Web Services, but these big dogs still produce a lot of cash flow, which is why investors gravitate towards them. And overall, earnings results have been better than what was feared. Funny how that always happens. According to the good people at FactSet, over 80% of companies in the S&P 500 have beaten forecasts, the biggest proportion since the third quarter of 2021. But investors have not been handing out the rewards evenly. According to Bloomberg Intelligence, the median stock has outperformed the overall index by just 0.1% on the day it reported those results. And according to Wells Fargo Securities Research Team, the breadth has also narrowed with just 53% of earnings beats outperforming the season compared to an average of 58% last year. Sam Stovall over at CFRA chalks that up to worries about what comes next. He writes that investors are increasingly concerned about delayed declines in fundamentals as a result of an impending recession. We're going to hear a lot more about that in the coming weeks. And number three, it's May, which means we're going to start hearing the age-old adage, sell in May and go away. Historically speaking, May to October is generally the weakest time of the year for the stock market, and it dates all the way back to the horse and buggy days of big shot investors starting their summers early in the Hamptons, Catskills, Berkshires, Jersey Shore, or wherever the wealthy gathered in white linens and champagne flutes. Well, no one really takes the summer off anymore, except some Europeans and South Americans, and big institutional trading algorithms never take a day off. So that adage doesn't fit so well in the 21st century, and it's not actually true either. Our pal Ryan Dietrich at the Carson Group points out that stocks have actually gained nine of the past 10 years in the month of May. To be sure, the last 10 years have had ultra-low interest rates and a very accommodative central bank, and that's definitely not the case anymore. And in those nine of 10 Mays over the last decade, the market was up over 2% in just four of those years. So the adage doesn't really apply, although it does rhyme. And if you're on this investing journey for the long haul, don't pay too much attention to what happens inside individual months or seasons. Pay attention to what is happening inside those months and seasons, because we have a lot coming our way. Let's get set up for a massively massive load of news this week. Earnings reports are going to be flowing in from hundreds of companies this week, including Pfizer, Starbucks, Uber, AMD, Qualcomm, Royal Dutch Shell, and Berkshire Hathaway, just to name a few. Berkshire Hathaway will host its annual meeting in Omaha this weekend. Sorry to miss it this year. The Express is on its way to Rio. As for Berkshire, we're always curious to know what the company did inside its equity portfolio over the past quarter. We know at the end of last year, Buffett and Munger increased Berkshire's stake in Apple, its biggest holding, and it also added shares of Paramount and Louisiana Pacific. It did cut its holding in Taiwan Semiconductor, the biggest chipmaker on the planet, Bank of New York Mellon, and Chevron, among others. And it's a huge week for reports on the U.S. labor market, starting with the jolt or job openings and labor market turnover survey for the month of February. That comes out Wednesday. The ADP's private payrolls report comes out on Thursday, and that sets us up for the big April non-farm payrolls report coming out on Friday. Forecasters are expecting just 178,000 jobs to have been added last month as companies slow the pace of hiring amid worries about slowing demand. But all of this is going to be overshadowed by the FOMC's meeting on interest rates this Tuesday and Wednesday. All signs point to the Fed increasing rates by another quarter of a percent, which could be the last rate hike for some time. Inflation is still at 4.6%, according to the latest personal consumption 
consumption expenditures index reading last week, and the Fed wants that number closer to 2%, but it kind of feels stuck around here. Bank failures at Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and the troubles at First Republic have thrown the brakes on bank lending, acting as their own form of monetary tightening, as Fed Chair Powell suggested at the last meeting. Here are the three things we want to know from Chair Powell and the Fed this week. Number one, what's the actual status of lending between banks and how much has the Fed abetted that? Number two, what's the path of future interest rate projections? Are the dots on the dot plots drifting lower towards the end of this year? That would imply rate cuts are coming, which could be a catalyst for the stock market. Or the dots kind of clustered around the five to five and a quarter percent area, which is likely where we'll be at the end of Wednesday afternoon. And number three, does the Fed believe that we're in a recession or headed towards one? The latest GDP report, which showed the U.S. economy slowing to a 2.1% GDP rate in the first quarter, would suggest just that. And if the answer is yes, how long does the Fed think it's going to last? And what kind of damage does it think it will do to the economy? We'll be watching and listening. Financial Literacy Month may have come to a close as we say goodbye to April, but every month is Financial Literacy Month here at Investopedia. You know that. We celebrate year-round because we are always trying to get smarter, and there's no one we like staying smart with, and our good friend, New York's finest, her style is so vicious, her content so nutritious, make way for the missus. Dow Jones, that is. Welcome back to the Express. Oh my God. I didn't know you were a wordsmith. Well, I'm a finance freestyle. Okay. Don't you know? Haven't I you love seen that. the reviews? Well, we're recording this live and direct in front of a few new friends here at the Dentsu Agency here in Midtown Manhattan. Their agencies represent some of the biggest brands in the world, and they were nice enough to host us for a little lunch yes. and a little ride on the Express, Mrs. Yes. Dow Jones. So how are you and welcome? I'm very, I'm doing great. You know, this is fabulous. We're in sort of a, I would say a, there's a gray day outside, but sky is bright in here. I'm with Caleb. We're reunited. It's been so long since I've seen you IRL. I know. Um, I'll obviously wearing your cool socks. Of course I'm wearing the Investopedia socks. You know why? They make me smarter and they make me jump a little bit higher too. Okay, I cool. Well, I'm hoping, hoping fingers crossed for a pair. Yeah. I think, I think you're good for a pair. Maybe okay. even a hoodie if you play Ooh, your cards right. So okay. I've never done a live podcast recording in front of an audience before. How about you? I I have. Yes. Well, yes. I'm a little nervous, but I don't really get nervous in either of you. We get after it. We get after it. Don't we? we get after it. Let's go. Yes. You're the original financial influencer, the OG yes. in this game. The OG. You were in this game before it was a game. It you was. were the zillennial finance expert okay. and a straight up celebrity on the socials. What have you been up to lately, Mrs. Dow Jones, since we last spoke? Yeah, when? What? I, I mean, it's been been months, years, even. Could be, could be two years. I could. I mean, let's put a pin in where we are right now. It's 2023. We're in April. The year is flying by. I just did my first webinar, which I'm going to rename a masterclass because webinar just is like not the vibe. The webinar is very 2020 oh, and but, 2021. Yeah, but they were, I mean, they were knocking on the door of the Zoom room. You couldn't have let them in quick enough. Like it was crazy. There was really a crowd there to learn how to budget. And did we teach them? So that was incredible. Gotta love an IRL or an online event. Um and I am betrothed emotionally to my audience, to my beloved followers. So anytime I get to be with them like that, wow, it is it special. And also, you know, I'm a comedian, I know. obviously. And so if you're not laughing yet, you will be. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, getting to sort of bring that spice to the budgeting circuit was very cool. And 
I don't know if you've heard, Caleb, and I don't want to make you jealous, but I am also an Amex girly now. What? Yes, yes. Black card, are, blue card, every different card. card. Oh, they didn't make colors. You got it all. Yeah, they new custom color for me. Yeah, it's um, got a card. They've got a lot of cards coming out with my name on that. What are you doing with Amex? <laughs> um, I'm doing a lot. I can't say everything because you know secret projects are sort of the vibe these days, but. We did launch their rewards checking program, which was, you know, if you don't have that account, I don't know what you're doing. The yields, the, oh, a little bit lower. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, we're learning. Easy with that. Mate. Okay. Well, um, yeah. The rewards checking program. What a gift to the consumer. Am I right? I used it myself. You got a debit card, you get rewards on your debit. You've got a very competitive yield um, and it's free for Amex cardholders. So who doesn't want a one-stop shop? Why should you have so many logins when you are trying to manage your financial life? I can I can barely remember my pass, my keys to my apartment, let alone like 12 different passwords. So very, very nice. Um, and then, yeah, the uncertain economic times, we've got to roll with those, sort of make sure everyone's okay. Inflation, are you investing? So, so, you know, the day-to-day -day hustle of just making sure people are staying rich is important. Yes. Folks, you can find all of that. You got to follow Mrs. Dow Jones, first of all, across all the socials. Slide in the DMs. Yes. And you can access all of her courses, all the stuff you've been building over the last few years. You didn't just get here. You are, as I say, an OG in this yeah. game. And folks, if you have been on uh, Haley's Mrs. Dow Jones social channels, you will see that she's always delivering really interesting money hacks, lessons, things to think about as you're trying to build your wealth at any age, but especially for you youngsters out there younger than me, she's got some great ones. So we picked a few to talk about today, including uh, some money hacks. Like let's start with a big one, how to get rich in your thirties. I think some people out here might want to know that. I wish I knew that back in my thirties. So what's your hack, so to speak? And I put that in air quotes because it's more than a hack. You got to do the work yeah. for getting rich in your 30s. I wish there was a hack. The hack is really the lottery, I would say, or <laughs> having a really, really rich family. Otherwise, you got to do it yourself. So, uh, yeah, when you're in your 30s, I feel like you sort of wake up one day and you're like, whoops, should have started earlier. Maybe all those 20s, like paychecks that I never invested or saved could have done a little differently. So 30s, growing wealth in your 30s is a bit about playing catch up and he did say rich. So I'm going to be aggressive with what I say here, because usually what you're supposed to do is put 20% towards future you of your paycheck. But I think that if you really want to get rich in your 30s, you got to kick it up to 25%, honey, and you better do it fast. And then if you've got any high interest rate debt, we got to pay that down because the same way that money compounds in the stock market, when you have high interest rate debt, it's compounding negatively. So the same way that you can make money when you're investing, it will take away your wealth the other way. So it's either you're getting rich quick or you're getting broke fast. So make sure you don't have high interest rate debt. And then yeah, open up a brokerage account and keep it simple. Don't try and pick winners. Just S&P 500 till the day you die, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the gospel. That's right. Slow yeah. train. The, the, in this case, sometimes the tortoise beats the hare, but you got to be patient. Yeah, it's not complicated, but it does take up focus and um, you do have to be aggressive. Absolutely. All right. Which leads us to another tip, which is really more than a tip. This is about automating your financial life. Easier than ever to do, but a lot of folks still aren't doing it. But if you do it, it kind of helps you with that other bigger goal of getting rich in your 30s, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I would have any personal wealth if I didn't automate. Truly, like, let it do it for you. I feel like when I wake up in the mornings, I have so much energy towards my goals. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to run a marathon today. I'm going to, you know, eat so clean. I'm going to, everything on my to-do list will be done. I'm going to read 12 books. And then 3 p.m. rolls around and someone says, Haley, do you want to get a Frappuccino? And I'm like, don't ask me twice. Let's go. Uh, Whose car are we taking? Yeah, exactly. Whose car are we taking? Let's put a little tequila in there. So... You know, the willpower is finite, okay? That's not going to last very long. So you got to automate because otherwise you're just relying on yourself and we're not perfect. We're broken. So uh, you got to let the computers make sure that you're getting rich. This is my whole thought with automation. Your checking account is your inbox, basically, like your email inbox of your money. And the same way with your inbox, you got to like sort through your inbox, figure out where everything's going. You got to do the same with your paycheck. So you automate your Roth IRA. You're going to automate your credit card payment. If you have bills that cannot go on a credit card, set up auto bill pay, which is a revelation. Can you believe it? They will send the checks for you. And then what's left over, and this is the best part of automation, is money that you can spend guilt-free because I don't like the budget. Like whenever they make you a budget and they're like, you can spend $30 on movies this month. I'm like, what if nothing good came out? What do I do with that money? Like, I don't want it to be so prescriptive. I would rather just have a lump sum. No, this is my money that I got to have fun with. And then I've already paid myself. So I know that I'm growing wealth and that all is good. You got to hit your savings, your IELTS savings account as right. well. So you're automating when money comes in, right? You're automating that kick over a few percent, 10% yeah. to savings, 25%, as you said, kick some over to my Roth IRA. If I have that, mm -hmm. kick some over to my brokerage, kick some over to the things I have to pay. But the key to all of it, Haley, is paying yourself first, right? Exactly. Like making sure that you're paying future you before you spend on now you is yeah. so important. We love that. But also not doing it yourself like just setting having the system the system doesn't take long to set up it literally will take you like maybe 30 minutes depending how how well you know your passwords i don't know <laughs> could be but could be a little longer and then yeah you're you're set it, and then you have the system going and it's like it'll just take you like 15 minutes to manage your finances from there on out so really simplifies things sounds easy as long as you have the check coming in you can afford things but a lot of folks are still dealing with debt paying yeah. out either that student loan debt or a credit card debt or a health emergency debt when you have that, but you're also trying to do all of these other things, how important is that automation, but also making sure that you have your percentages right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to understand your priorities with your financial life. Like I in Start Here, which is my Finance 101 course, like when I was first starting my financial journey, I was so annoyed by the idea of financial goals. Like everyone would be like, you need a financial goal. What's your financial goal? And I'm like, uh, to live in the Caribbean. But how do I get there? Like, I don't have an emergency. Like, I, that's not now. I got to do some things first. So then I realized, oh, they're actually universal financial goals that we all need to take care of before we even get to the place where we got to be creative with what we want our lives to be. So level one is literally open the high yield savings account, get your 401k match, put $1,000 in that high yield savings account. Let's just get some momentum. And then level two, pay off that high interest rate debt and save a three to six month emergency fund. And that could take two years. That could take a long time, but you have that goal that you're working towards and you're not confused about what's your financial goal and you have a why. So when you have the choice of making the right decision or the other decision, 
you actually understand, oh, I have something that I'm working towards and it is really empowering and helps you make that better choice. And then level three is obviously we've got to max out all of our retirement uh, tax advantage, investment accounts, retirement accounts before we even think about opening a brokerage because Uncle Sam... By the way, we all have the same uncle. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I know. Isn't that so random? I know. So we all have the same uncle, Uncle Sam. He's obsessed with stealing from us. Just kidding. Taxes are great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I pay them. And... um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, you got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to not be giving them a cut. So tax advantage accounts before you even think about the brokerage. Very good. You got to manage that. You are the CEO of your own financial life. So you got to be the one who is on top of that. And you do such a good job of teaching people. All right, here's a fun one for the summer. Everyone's looking to travel, but we've all looked at airline prices, hotel, Airbnb prices, pretty expensive. You have great tips for how to travel cheaply this summer. I'm sure some people here want to hear about that. Are you guys going away this summer? Okay, yeah, where are you going? Tell us. OMG. Okay. Have some rosé for us, girl. Okay, love it. Anyone else? Fun trip planned? Greece. Greece. Woo, what island? Paris. Oh, good. Okay, so that's one of my tips is you go to the popular place, but not the popular place within the place. So you choose a popular destination, but not the popular. So Mykonos, a bottle of water, maybe $40. Paros, probably six. Still expensive, but a little bit less. Anyone else got a trip? Oh, nor random, but cool of you. Okay. (laughs) Didn't expect that. Okay, we learned something. Okay, so you want to travel this summer for cheap. I get it. It's so expensive to travel. I would say the first thing is choose somewhere where you're actually going to be able to stretch your dollar and where the dollar is strong. So don't go somewhere where the dollar is really weak. Go to, I mean, my friend just went to Argentina. The dollar is very strong there. She told me, girl, I had a five-star vacation and I paid two to three-star prices. And I said, what? And she told me four seasons. She said the four seasons, bougie. It was like they were giving it away. So if you go to these places where the dollar is really strong, you can live like a queen. I don't whatever. Live well, live well. And then my other travel hack is eat your biggest meal for lunch, which is, I mean, we've all ordered lunch before. I don't know. Raise your hand if you ever ordered lunch. Crazy. Okay, I'm I'm guilty of it. And um, isn't it weird? Like if you order sushi at lunch, you can get a three roll special, and it's so much cheaper. But then if you order from the same place, like four hours later, they're double the price. So the same thing applies when you're traveling. Lunch is you can eat lunch very well, but for a bit cheaper, maybe thirty percent cheaper, and then you can have your dinner meal be maybe you're having a street food i don't test the look get a kebab who knows get a crepe you're gonna love a good kebab who doesn't love a kebab um and then okay if you're gonna go somewhere popular don't go somewhere popular within the popular destination and then the last one is sort of sad and i don't mean to be a debbie downer but like if you travel not in the peak season aka summer you will get you will stretch your dollar a bit, a bit more. So, but I got it. If you want to go away in the summer, live your life. Yeah. First two weeks of September or back two weeks of September. Always good. If you can get out at that time, great hacks, great tips. Find all of those again across Mrs. Dow Jones social channels. We're going to do a little lightning round here. we got a few questions. Let's get to them. Fast questions, fast answers. We are on the Investopedia Express with Mrs. Dow Jones. Don't forget. Don't forget. All right. What do you wish you knew? More about money in your 20s. In your 20s, what do you wish you knew more about? I wish I knew more about compound interest because then I really would have said no to more things because I would have understood that like 
that little bit of money could become so much more money just because I was young. Like my goddaughter, I will invest by the time she's 18, I will put in almost $32,000 because I did $1,000 when she was born. I do $100 automated every month and then I do $500 on her birthday every year. And that will be, I think it's 31,600 by the time she's 18 and then I'm done. I'm like, girl, you take me out <laughs> or this is over. But that in the S&P 500, say it returns 10% a year compounded annually by the time she's 65, will be, say it with me, $7.6 million. Ooh. What? That is a nice chunk of change for like this much principal. So I wish in my 20s that I had understood compound interest a bit more because then maybe I could have $7.6 million. It is that fairy dust that is sprinkled over the stock market, but it requires a little bit of time and some extra watering and asking for a friend. Do you have any more room for goddaughters or sons? I know I get a lot of applications. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Right. What I'll is open the, it up. What is the worst investment Mrs. Dow Jones ever made? Probably in an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, that'll uh, do it. Yeah, okay. well, <laughs> we're going to leave it at that. Who are the smartest celebrity investors out there? You get to pick up to two. I feel like no one talks about Priyanka Chopra being such a good investor, but the girl's hair care line is literally like more profitable than Rare Beauty. Uh, it's almost as profitable as Fenty Beauty. It's huge in India. And so I feel like she is low-key going to be a billionaire, maybe like is a billionaire. And I'm interested in researching her a bit more because I feel like she just has a really strong brand and has been making really good decisions. And she has beautiful hair. So I am sort of like, I would buy your hair stuff. Like, how'd you got your hair so good? And then obviously Jay-Z, like I am addicted to gambling. He's opening a casino in Times Square. So I will be going there. I don't actually gamble because I'm so scared of losing money, but I like to sit at the tables and watch. And they have free drinks. Yeah, great choice. Yeah. Jay-Z is not a businessman. He's a business Comma. man. And I live in Dumbo, which he didn't buy a house in Dumbo. And now he feels like a Dumbo. <laughs> he's, Leonardo. he's got some Basquiat. All right, no problem there. What is the best book about money you can recommend to our listeners and these good folks here at Dentsu? So I'm sure you've heard of like all of the books on Think and Grow Rich, whatever. But actually, the book about money that really changed my life was really big in the 90s. And it's called Your Money or Your Life. And it was written by women. And it sort of started the FIRE movement, like financial independence, retire early, which is a whole other issue we can talk about another time. But why I love that book so much is that it really for the first time, I think got people thinking about the time value of money and like how they could maybe, they don't have to live within these rules. They can really use money to have freedom and live the life that they want. Yeah, my copy of that is like highlighted and it just was, it taught me a lot of great principles. Great recommendation. Yeah. One we have not heard on this podcast before. Thank you for bringing it. Yeah. Okay. What does the financial industry get wrong about young investors? I think young investors have different goals than the finance industry thinks they do like they're like oh you guys want to buy a house right and you're gonna have kids cool great your work till you're 65 awesome and it's like no girl i'm gonna live in a van and i have four dogs and i'm gonna stop working when i'm 40 like so you know we have a lot more flexibility we're choosing our lives very differently we're planning our lives very differently and i think that wall street and investment companies need to 
be able to create products that are a bit more flexible because people are living outside the box so much more now. Yeah, the notion of retirement that I grew up with and I'm still growing up with is right there on the Golf Channel in those commercials. Yes. White picket fans, maybe beach. I know, I love watching C- like the commercials for the Golf Channel or CNBC. It's like hip replacement. Like, yeah, they're, ta- they're life talking alert. to me, not you. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. But I sort of do want a life alert. Uh, yeah, I think we should all get one of those. All right. Which financial celebrity would you most like to have lunch with, excluding me and you and I can have a turkey sandwich when this is over, but (laughs) investing celebrity, like real celebrity. I mean, obviously Warren Buffett and I would want to sit on his lap and like, it would not be a lunch. It would be like a really long time together. Oh, that sounds so sweet. I'm sure. I love love that. Um, If you know him, put a word in. Uh, Sure. The meeting is this weekend if you'd like to go. Okay. What's the... Over $1,000 splurge purchase that you made that was absolutely worth it. My mini poodle, obviously. Mystery, you have my heart. Definitely my dog. Some friends of mine heard that we were speaking today. They are poodle owners and they said, Mrs. Dow Jones is a poodle owner. You got a <laughs> fist bump her for that. Okay, good. Uh, let's go out on this, my friend. It's you- actually, I, I feel the same way about poodles. When I see some of the poodle, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we have this huge connection. And then I looked it up and poodles are like the second most popular dog yeah. in the world. And okay, I have this connection with so many people. And they're like, get the F away from me. Yeah. Okay. And I'm- Yeah, in New York, I'm sure. All right. You know, we're a site built on our investing and finance terms. What is your favorite investing term? Diana, know what Mrs. Dow Jones loves out there. I I use leverage quite colloquially. So I would say leverage for sure. What's yours? Uh, Well, I love compounding because it is that fairy dust sprinkled over the internet, but I kind of move around. Sometimes I like contango. Sometimes I like backwardation. Sometimes I like the inverted yield curve. You don't like dead cat bounce? I'd like, well, no, because I like cats. Um, so I, you know, I like the ones that sound like weird yoga poses that you oh, can okay. get hurt with if okay. you don't say them Getting correctly. Nobody brings it like Mrs. Dow Jones. Thanks so much for coming back on the Express. And thanks to you folks out here at Dentsu for yes. having us today. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. It's terminology time, time for us to get smart with the investing and finance term we need to know this week. And this week's term comes to us from Malehe Musubi, who hit us up on Instagram. Malehe wants to know more about FDIC receivership, a term we're likely to hear more about this week if First Republic Bank is not sold to another bank. First of all, what is receivership? Well, receivership is a court-appointed tool that can assist creditors in recovering funds in default and can help trouble companies avoid bankruptcy. Having a receivership in place makes it easier for a lender to obtain the funds that are owed to them if a borrower defaults on a loan. Now, as for an FDIC receivership, that occurs when an independent deposit institution, better known as a bank, fails, and the FDIC is appointed as receiver. In that capacity, the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the main regulator of banks, assumes responsibility for recovering the maximum amount possible from the sale of assets and the pursuit of claims in the receivership. Once the FDIC has completed the disposition of the receivership's assets and has resolved all obligations, claims, and other legal impediments, the receivership is terminated and a final distribution is made to the creditors, which may include secured creditors, unsecured creditors, including general trade creditors, subordinate debt holders, shareholders, and uninsured depositors. The FDIC, in its corporate capacity, is often the largest creditor of the receivership. Great suggestion, Malehe. We're going to be sending you a pair of our viciously stylish socks to rock this May. Stay smart. 
We're going to let Giannis Antetokounmpo take us out this week. He's one of the NBA's top players, a world champion, an Olympian, a humanitarian, a father, and a family man. His Milwaukee Bucks were bounced out of the NBA playoffs last week by the Miami Heat, failing to return to the NBA Finals again after winning it all two years ago. Giannis played through a back injury throughout the series, but despite his efforts, his team came up short. After the game, Giannis dutifully sat through a round of media interviews, and when he was asked if he considered the season to be a failure, Giannis gave one of the most thoughtful answers you'll ever hear in professional sports, or any profession for that matter. It's one I took to heart, and I hope you will too. Do you view this season as a failure? <sighs> oh my God. Uh, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do, you get, do you get the promotion every year? on your job. No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. There is no failure, only learning and getting better. The process, the journey, the highs and the lows, learn from them all because they will make us all better in the end. Thanks for joining us this week, as always, and special thanks to Mrs. Dow Jones for climbing back aboard the Express and to Dentsu for hosting our live recording of the show. That was a good time. We're going to link to her socials and all the reports we cited on this episode. Find all that in the show notes and on investopedia.com slash the Express Podcast. This train is headed to Rio de Janeiro this week for Web Summit Rio, and we're going to be bringing back some coisas gostosas from that lovely city. And we'll talk again a little further on down the line.